This is Luke Martin, and welcome to Talking the Coda, a podcast that examines the work of musicians whose careers ended prematurely. Whether it was because of a death, a breakup, retirement, or any other factor, oftentimes the memory of artists with such short careers comes with a particular mix of adulation and mourning, sadness over what could have been, and joy over the music the artist did leave behind. For my first episode, I'm going to be discussing the Mexican-American singer Selena, also known as the Queen of Tejano Music or Tejano Madonna. The song sketch you heard in the beginning is entitled Será Contigo and is a co-write between myself and Ale Jimenez, an accomplished Latin pop singer in her own right. A little later on in this episode, Ale and I will discuss our song alongside our other thoughts on Selena's career and musical style, but first, a little background. Selena Quintanilla Perez first began singing as a child with her family band, Selena y los Dinos, managed by her father, Abraham Quintanilla Jr., and for which her brother, Abraham Quintanilla III, wrote most of the songs. The band performed Tejano music despite Selena's interest in pop because her father felt it was important for them to embrace their Mexican heritage. Now, the term Tejano is a broad stylistic term which is meant to encompass ranchera, cumbia, polka, and other styles of the South Texas-North Mexico border region. Historically, this style has broad appeal in Latino audiences because it incorporates so many subgenres of music, as well as having roots in conjunto, canción ranchera, and corrido. Cumbia in particular was heavily incorporated in Selena's music, and the Mexican style of cumbia is often a little slower, uses simpler harmonic progressions, and features the accordion more compared to other kinds of cumbia. Selena y los Dinos struggled for several years to survive financially and gain notoriety in a male-dominated genre. But Selena's first break came when she was signed to the EMI Latin label after a performance at the 1989 Tejano Music Awards. She made two albums in the first couple years of her contract, but it wasn't until her third album, Entre a Mi Mundo, released in 1992, that Selena saw the beginnings of major commercial success. The lead single off the album, Como La Flor, became a staple in live performances, and her follow-up album, Amor Prohibido, charted even higher and became one of the best-selling Latin albums in the United States. Selena was murdered in March of 1995 by Yolanda Saldivar, the former manager of Selena Etc. Boutiques. Her passing was mourned across the United States and in Mexico, particularly with the posthumous release of her last album, Dreaming of You, in the summer of 1995. This last album features three singles in English, a more pop R&B production style, and represents the significant effort she made to break into contemporary American markets as her popularity grew. Given that what would have been her 50th birthday was just one week ago, I wanted to take a look at how her career has been remembered, what issues come up in her music, 
and what musicians and the general public can still learn from her work now. But first, let me introduce my guest for this podcast, Ale Jimenez. Ale Jimenez is a Colombian artist and singer-songwriter currently based in Miami. She is a graduate of the Berklee College of Music, winner of the 2017 Lennon Award, and two-time winner of the Latin Grand Prize at the John Lennon Songwriting Contest. Ale surpassed 2.5 million streams between her releases Desliz, Casa, and Nuestra Casualidad, and made it to notable Spotify editorial playlists such as New Music Friday Latin, Latin Pop VIP, Colombian Pop, Latino Radar, Latin Pop Rising, Café con Leche, and the top viral 50 of Colombia, Peru, and Chile. In addition, she has participated in festivals such as La Semana de las Juventudes, the International Festival Quimera in Mexico, and El Grito Latino in Costa Rica. Sharing the lineup with artists such as Residente, Atercio Velaros, Ximena Saranyana, Molotov, and Café Tacuba. Her first album, Canciones Chiquitas, was released on May 17, 2019 and produced by Camilo Rodriguez under the label Discos Intolerancia. It features an emphasis on acoustic instruments and draws inspiration from pop folk, reggae, funk, cumbia, and other rhythms that represent the flavor of Latin American culture. Also, Alejandra is currently pursuing a master's degree in music business at the Frost School of Music. Alejandra Jimenez, hello. Thank you for being here. Hey, look, how are you? Thank you for inviting me. I am good. I am good. I'm very excited to talk to you on the first episode of this podcast. So yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought um, a good way to start would, would be, you know, to just sort of ask you about like your relationship to Selena's music before this episode, like how much you knew of her, if you particularly liked any of her music, or if you were sort of new to it and like prepping for this episode made you think differently about her career. So what's sort of like your relationship to, to Selena's music? You know, I listened to her music a lot when I was on, on high school. It was not like me tuning into the, the radio trying to find her songs, but there was at the time when I was on high school a big movement in, in actually Colombia, where I'm from, where her music was used a lot, like in karaoke. And there, there was this label that they use for this type of music called ironing, like music for ironing when you're doing your chores. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So it, that's how it's called music for like ironing i don't know if that's the correct way to say but um and we were like what like 15 years old and you will see my classmates like screaming these songs a cappella or like with their little like cd players you know It, it was an important thing for like girl development like when we were growing up okay for some reason in the 2000s i think her music picked up a lot and i also you know what when i was listening to some of her music i realized that there's a lot of things uh, songs that i was like oh i didn't know this song like was her song which was amazing that's so interesting yeah i think one of the big appeals with her that i find interesting is that she sort of has like you know kind of like this this like working class appeal or it's like you know because people sort of know that you know, she grew up in like a working class Mexican-American family. It seems to like sort of endear her to audiences. And like there's sort of like that extra human element before you even like get into the like the actual music with like just 
like who she was and like where she grew up. I think that's kind of interesting that like her music was associated with like like music for ironing and like music for chores. That's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> but it it was it was a trend. It was a trend at the time. Mm, got you. One of the big things I sort of wanted to get at right away too is like the labels that surround like quote unquote Latin music as a category and the the different ways of like categorizing things and how sort of like it can it can like take a little bit of time to sort of make sense of all that you know like if you're from America originally you don't really like know the music I feel like there's sort of a a tendency to like maybe lump like all of Latin music together or to not really know like how to parse it out yeah um so I was just hoping that you could sort of talk about First, for you as an artist yourself, like where you situate yourself in this really broad field of music and just sort of like how you navigate that within your own career and your own music. Yeah, that, that's a big problem when people ask me like, oh, what, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, my God, that's, gonna, that's a hard question to answer. Like, I do Latin music, but it's, you know, it's not the Latin music you listen to right now. Like the way I think about this or the way I, I approach it is thinking about song. Um, if my songs are hooky and are simple and I'm trying to find things that people remember, I consider myself a Latin pop. I think the difference comes in how I, I approach my production compared to how mainstream Latin pop approaches uh, the production, right? Like right now, Latin pop is that reggaeton kind of thing that you right. hear, um, more like melodic, but with some of that urban right as i don't approach my music like that i consider myself kind of the latin pop singer songwriter right um, yeah category that gives me a bigger feel to do anything i want like anything fits in there it could be organic instruments or a little bit of electronic but without the urban beat so it, you know it's a normal thing um and i i don't expect people to under like American people that say like know all the different genres so it's it's it makes it easier for them to approach the music okay so you, you've sort of come to accept the fact that maybe like you won't be able to sort of fit into a box or like you won't be able to sort of like package everything nicely with like a bow when you're sort of telling people about your stuff outside of using this like really broad descriptor of like Latin music exactly I also think that people who listen to my music don't necessarily listen to latin mainstream mainstream pop so i i don't have to do a lot of explanation to that type of audience i think the audience that or that specific audience is used to listen to different things and they like that oh okay do you feel like that's an advantage of uh, sort of having such a broad category like that is it people are maybe more open to like things being different or like um, is that do you see that as like a benefit of having such a broad label? No, I, absolutely. Something really interesting that happens, for example, in Mexico when you go play in in Mexico City, usually you will be expecting people who listen to your music to go see you, but you will find people who don't or never have listened to your music before to go see you and stay from the beginning till the end. Um, there's a big um, um, demand for new music and they love not just listening to new music, but buying your albums, even if there's Nazi players, they love uh, buying your merch and supporting artists that do Latin music, but it's not mainstream. They, they feel really seduced by the not mainstream idea, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's so interesting. I can, I can like see how that mindset sort of like lends itself to like, you know, a more... Uh maybe adventurous, uh, you know, listener base. 
And something sort of like to get back to Selena a little bit, like something I find interesting about like her reputation and like how she's come to be remembered like over time is that, you know, when I was researching her, like one of the first labels that always comes up is, oh, the queen of Tejano music. Mm -hmm. It's like that makes like it makes sense because, you know, like she is like, I mean, I don't think anybody would would dispute that. But especially as you get later into her career, like, you know, like I was talking to you earlier about this, there's a clear effort of hers to like push genre boundaries and to break into like sort of a more pop R&B sound. On her last album that was released um, after she after she died, there's I think at least two or three songs that are like all in English. Even that choice, it's like you can see her sort of like, you know, appealing to like a broader audience. And I was just sort of curious like what you, like within the context of her career, what, what do you sort of make of that, that that clear effort to sort of tap into those new audiences? Well, when you mentioned the the queen of Tejano music, I think having that title, I don't know how much she liked it. I think it, it was a good thing. As I'm, from a marketing like um, standpoint, I think it's a great way to get her to a point where she can start breaking into these other genres. Somehow I feel it's important, especially for a woman, to quantify her uh, the wins and labeling her the queen of Tejano music over all of these guys who were dominating the industry um, probably was like really a good thing for her to give her this important crown and show that, oh, she was selling 40 million albums. Oh, she was doing all these things. That's why she has this throne. Um, and I, I guess uh, at some point she was like trying to break that. But these, these labels, I feel they have their advantage until a certain point. But we don't know... Um, it, it, I feel it can affect the artist somehow, an artist who wants to evolve, right? Because she, if she goes to pop, because she was doing this type of Celine Dion, right? Kind of like pop, kind of new music. Uh, it's people going to love that, you know? Like, it, it, is, is she going to be still the queen of Tejano? Um, is people going to be angry, uh, you know, but that she's leaving this little box? Right, mm -hmm. right. So it can be good and bad. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. There's definitely like a like a double-edged sword there. I actually kind of do, uh, I want to go off of what you were saying about sort of, you know, your point about gender and how like by her sort of claiming that title or having that title like sort of mapped onto her, it's sort of like, it's a, you know, like there's a clear statement being made about gender and about like what's acceptable in like the performance of Tejano music, which, you know, like you were saying for so long was such a male-dominated genre. Uh, and I'm sort of curious, we like to think that things have gotten better now but I'm curious if you like notice ways that gender still impacts like the industry or like your approach to your music personally, like if you feel like your identity like automatically affects the way that you approach like certain subjects, like if you sing like a love song or you're talking about relationships, you know, I'm wondering like how much, if any of that depends on your, the part of your identity that is your gender. I think there are many things that are changing. You see a lot of, in, in festivals, female songwriters, there's a lot of like female singer-songwriters coming, uh, in, not only in, in the American um, business or in the industry, but also in the Latin industry. A lot of female like singer-songwriters. On that part, I feel like there's a lot of movement and good things happening. 
there's still fields in which it could be a little better, like more female producers and more female uh, engineers. There are, but it's really hard to give them credibility. Um, try to get a Latin reggaeton guy get uh, mix one of his songs by a by a girl. I think, mm, yeah. and this is gonna sound really bad, but I I, I feel they they want some testosterone in their music, and they doubt yeah. that it can be given by girls. Um, I also produce, for example, music for TV, and I haven't found any um, difficulties, at least not on that field, because it's background music, so you know it's just it, in the bag, and it's it's not like mainstream. Um, but something that really concerns me nowadays is the way. For example, the Latin industry is it's, it's using female artists to talk about empowerment when their lyrics and their music are talking about empowerment from the sex kind of um, area. So empowerment being like, oh, I'm not going to sleep with you. Oh, this is, um, I'll decide when we go to bed. It, that type of empowerment, which I don't know how empowering is, right? It's mm. kind of this male-girl competition, sex yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right, and it sort of it sort of makes it about like, yeah, it's still kind of reductive in a way because like it's it's I mean obviously like there's more to someone's identity than like their sexual orientation or their like sex life or whatever. So I see what you're saying. Like it seems like, I mean there there are there are many other ways to empower yourself, and it doesn't always have to sort of come back to that. Like maybe the messaging around the music has changed, but it's still sort of coming back to like that same like material, you know. Exactly, exactly. And, and also the vi the visuals. Um, mm. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll always talk about the Latin industry because that's what I, I, I know the most. Uh, but um, you see these, and you see this in rap too, you know, like the bathing suit girls clean, washing the cars and the girls on the beach. It's like, uh, you know, but it, that sells. It, it's sad, but you know, this is a mon money. It's, it's a business, you know, so yeah. it's all about the money. <laughs> Sadly, but... Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also sort of something else I was struck by that you said earlier was um, you were talking about how like you know um, if if you know how a reggaeton artist because of the reputation that that style has like a reggaeton artist might not be as receptive to like a female producer or like you know like that like that somebody of that identity being involved involved with the music but I find. I mean, obviously, like that's kind of a that's kind of a ridiculous perspective, but I think it's particularly ridiculous when you consider the fact that in music, like everything is sort of constructed anyway, you know. And it's like we have these ideas about, you know, like what a man singer is or what a woman singer is or what like Latin pop is or what X Y Z is, but you know like would you agree that uh, a good musician and like a good songwriter you you are sort of actively constructing your identity and you're actively creating a sense of uh, like authenticity or you know like your or, or um credibility like that's something that you can sort of build regardless of like what background you come from you know i agree with you but it's really really hard to create it being a, a woman now i'm not saying mm. that it's impossible but i have i know friends who really have struggled to get one mix one production like one production as a, as a female producer and usually opportunities come from female artists 
right so it's hard like one one thing that i got to experience that was really interesting on 2019 i was invited to an only female camp a song camp i i had never been on a song camp with only females so that was a really interesting experience and the result was like spectacular i had never flow so easy before mm. when there's men in the room there's a lot of uh, strong energy i i am not i am not uh, a person who think we should divide only male camp only female cap camp but right now sometimes that's the only way in which we can get ourselves out there and create that credibility that you talk about yeah. like build it yeah well and i guess sort of what i was sort of uh trying to get at too is it like maybe as a as a songwriter as a performer you have the you have the tools to sort of like portray yourself one way or portray yourself another way or like you can sort of you can sort of build a narrative as you go but i do think i i definitely see what you're saying and i guess it sort of is kind of maybe maybe a little bit naive to sit to sort of say that there aren't these outside factors and that there aren't these like um structures in place that sort of kind of map a certain amount of our identities onto us even as we even as we like push against them uh and something else i'm sort of curious about is like if if you if you feel that same way about like language you know because like clearly with gender we're still kind of like working out what it means to be like a male versus a female artist and like sort of giving any everybody their due and mm -hmm. i'm curious if that comes up like with language as well like if if somebody records in spanish versus in english or or something like that like is do you do you sort of sense um, that there are like assumptions that come along with that, like the the language that a person chooses to perform in? I think there will be always people who judge you, like, oh, you—that's not your native language. Like, you you don't know how to do it. But that's I I think both Selena is an example of that. You know, there's another big artist that, for example, she's Italian. Um, I don't know if you have heard about her, Laura Pausini. She uh, is no, I don't think so. one of the biggest uh, ballad and, and artists. I think she just won like a big Emmy. I think it was a, or a Golden Globe for one of her songs with Diane Warren. And um, she sings in Spanish. And her biggest fans are in Latin America, not even in Italy. Hmm. So I don't think with language it's that uh, bad as with gender. I'm I'm super open to people trying to sing in other languages. Why not? Like in 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 South America, bunch of indie bands singing in English, and people love them. So I don't see a barrier in language as much as in gender. Yeah, and I guess with, I mean with Selena, it's her her career is fascinating because even before, you know, she sort of crossed over and well and was was trying to cross over and was writing like more songs in English, like even before that happened. You know, like there's you can see as her albums go along that they they chart in the U.S. like progressively higher and higher, even though insofar as language is concerned, like it's still like she's still performing in Spanish. So I think that sort of like supports your point. You know, it's like she from album to album, she wasn't really changing anything as far as the language was concerned, but she was like there was a clear uh, there's a clear build like commercially and there's a clear she was gaining momentum. Yeah, so I think that's interesting. Also, she was, I think she was being her, you know? She was being yeah. Mexican, she was being American. And, and she couldn't deny any of those parts. So she was giving to people who probably identify 
with her culturally how she feels and who she is and that's also really powerful that's also why i believe her narrative mm. um and and i think that's also why it makes her so popular yeah well and that and that's that kind of that kind of brings to my head like sort of the idea of authenticity again because like i was sort of thinking about that you know like how you know in 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 musical scholarship like there's a lot of different ways that you can like define authenticity and i was thinking about it and like from my perspective it seems like it's more the most important thing like you're talking about is like you know it's it's sort of a cliche to say live your truth but like like you're saying that's kind of what that's kind of what selena was doing and you know she was doing it like with intent so yeah i think i don't know from my perspective it seems like that's sort of like the most important thing in like constructing authenticity but i'm wondering if like if you think there are other factors that go along with that or you know like what how do you sort of um conceptualize what it means to be authentic as an artist wow that's a it's a big question you know because i think yeah. what is what is authentic nowadays and what does it does it really mean for me authenticity is just a mix is the result of a mix of things but i think maybe authenticity could also be novelty how novel mm. something is right how because we talk about originality i relate authenticity with originality but okay. originality can be anybody can create something original but something novel you know i think when you do something that that it's really novel and that comes from mixing all these different things i think it becomes some sort of authentic not necessarily has to be that it comes from mexico or colombia right well and it's sort of i mean it it adds that I, i feel like it adds that credibility like if you can um like do what you're saying and like take 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 things that are familiar to people but like put your own spin on it and present it in a novel way as you say i think yeah i think that's like a really interesting balance that you sort of struck on there yeah so it's another factor i think with awesome authenticity is um sort of like the national part of one's identity uh and i with with selena's career and with well not even well not even her career but sort of like the reception of it and like the uh, um you know the the narratives that were like produced after her career something i thought was interesting was just like a little thing is like when um when they went to make the biopic about her in the 90s i i read that um there was a lot of sort of controversy surrounding the casting of like j-lo a puerto rican woman to play a mexican-american artist and like some people felt that that was like really not a good thing because like you know like she's mexican and like it's really important that we acknowledge like that part of her identity and like that part of you know what makes her authentic because she's drawing on um like mexican-american music and like tahana music like that was sort of what she did so i just think like that sort of controversy surrounding like the casting of j-lo is like a little you know it's like a a little manifestation i think of how sort of like nationality affects authenticity and identity but i'm i'm sort of curious to hear what you think about what role nationality plays in um, somebody being seen as authentic or not and somebody being you know recepted by audiences or not i think when you're when you're an artist like being boxed is not good 
it, mm. it limit limits you. It's like does it, like if I'm Colombian, I can only make Colombian music. It's like no, I was born in Colombia, but uh, as a human and as a person, I have other interests. I might be interested on Japanese music or Korean music, and I want to make a Korean band, right? And mm. then I, I I do my proper research about like learn the music, and then I go and break the rules. You know why not? It's just. I feel we become so obsessed with like making certain things like our own. It's like with this, the Selena and JLo is like, okay, yeah, she's Puerto Rican. That doesn't mean that she cannot do a good job or like that the director cannot do a good like research um, of Selena's personality. Mm. Uh, I think it all comes to doing great research of the, of JLo probably like did her, I, I think she did a great job. <laughs> I've seen this movie and and I think this movie also put Selena and and gave her more even more spotlight yeah. and gave yeah, J Lo also spotlight because she did a, yeah. an amazing job. So no, I I I I don't know. I I I don't like when 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 these type of things happen. Yeah, and well, it's interesting because there is sort of that tendency to like feel like you have to own like the music or like there is that sense of ownership like you're talking about. Um, and I totally relate to what you're saying too. Cause like, for me, it's like, I'm like of 100% European background. So it's like, for me, if I was like, wanted to be like super purist about like, oh, I can only play the music of like my people. I'd be playing like Beethoven all day and like you know, nothing else. <laughs> so Correct. I definitely, yeah, no, there I definitely. There will be no evolution, no evolution of art. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, that's interesting. I guess it is sort of like it's it's kind of necessary to like cross those borders, you know, even though they exist and even though there's sort of challenges that come with that, you know? Yeah, but you know what? With fans of music, I think it's it's like when you go to a restaurant you like and you like your dragon roll, right? And then you go the next time and your dragon roll has crab sprinkles and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like I come to this restaurant because I like these and all of a sudden it's another thing. And it, 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 we get super sensible to when, when we're not good with changes as humans. I think we like mm. some things and we want them to stay that way. Um, and, and that's why artists get a hard, such a hard time when they try to experiment with different rhythms. Like people want them to stay the same because they aim to nostalgia. Um, they, they aim to these other things like we want to belong somewhere and, and when we're comfortable belonging belonging somewhere and this some somewhere or these artists changes we're like we feel like orphaned somehow yeah and it forces us to sort of reassess our own identities and like correct that's uncomfortable yeah yeah now it's a really interesting thought and like you know i as a listener you don't often think about that really like how how you know how the the way that you're the people that you look up to and the artists that you look up to like as they change and they grow as people it's sort of it does kind of force you to like reassess like reassess yourself and your interests and to and to sort of like see how you yourself have changed and I guess like with sort of like on that topic with Selena too like I feel like you know, we're sort of we're sort of getting at how like borders, at least within music, like borders are sort of like they they're sort of meant to be crossed. You know. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, may, and maybe I'm off base here, so I'm I'm curious to hear what you think about this. But I feel like with with Selena and like sort of her reputation, her identity, how people received her, like things that we've been talking about, it seems to me like at at many points in her career, she sort of she she sort of gestures to like almost like a pan latin american identity where it's like 
sort of like the the Spanish speaking world as a whole before you get into okay, well somebody's Puerto Rican and somebody's Mexican and somebody's Colombian and blah blah blah. And I'm 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 just curious if you sort of get that impression too or like what you think about sort of like thinking of thinking of of her music like as reflective of like sort of one Latin American identity or if that maybe is being too simplistic. Um I to me, I always saw her as a Mexican American. Mm. I didn't feel represented like I do when I hear Shakira. <laughs> when I mm. hear Shakira, I feel like I wrote that song. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I feel like she she's literally take she's representing me. So it's not the same feeling. Um, I do think her the simplicity of her music connects more in a gender kind of level and in, okay. in a human uh, mm. the basic human feelings i feel sad i feel heartbroken i want to dance i'm happy that i i love life i this is what i feel her music is all about like the joy of life and, right. and the the joy of love that's also why maybe people get really attached to to her story and the sadness of how she died and all of these all what she couldn't be this idea mm. of that all of us have this idea in our head. Oh, what she could have become. Where would Selena be now? You know. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe who who else could she sort of grow to represent? Yeah. That's sort of that's sort of what I was curious about. Is like who who does she represent? That's something I was thinking about a lot. It's like is it you know like what audience exactly is is being represented by her? I think she re she represents people who's looking for their heritage, who want to know who they mm. are, who want to find a place to belong, because there's this this two uh, communion of two cultures, and I feel people is desperate to find a place to belong, and she was that home. Mm. So that's why I think she was important. She would represent people who was finding that heritage, that place to 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 find an an identity, and that's probably why she she not only uh, touches Mexican hearts, but also all that Latin hearts, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and like you were saying, I, you know, like, I mean, it's super easy to pick up on those, those like really common themes, like that you're mentioning in her music, like, you know, heartbreak, falling in love, wanting to have a good time, like being excited about life, like those sort of universal desires and emotions are definitely in there. And they're actually, actually want to use this to sort of talk about one track in particular, so I sort of told you before before we were gonna do this that that I wanted you to sort of pick like one track of hers in particular that like spoke to you in a way. And for our for our listeners out there, Alejandra chose Como la flor, la flor. And that's definitely a song of hers where, you know, she's sort of touching on like a lot of those themes. I, I wanna sort of like think about in this particular song, like how do you sort of see those themes manifesting or like what about like this this song in particular like struck you? I love the simplicity of the message. First, the melody. She, this song for me has three sections. It's just a killer verse, very simple. Like it has two melodies, an amazing chorus, and a beautiful tag. That's it. And each one of those melodies sticks in my brain like gum. You know, like so easy. And the lyric. She doesn't use any like metaphors or like crazy things. It's just the straightest way to say, you have, you find someone else. I hope this someone else love you, and I'm gonna be humble and accept my defeat. And but holy Jesus Christ, how much it hurts to <laughs> to see you with this other person. How many yeah. girls don't go through that? 
And and guys. I mean, and guys, guys, absolutely. I'm sorry, I want to be inclusive, but I, I I bet not not a lot of guys like listen to Selena. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it, but but probably a lot of guys too that are super romantic and love this type of music would. Yeah. Well, and no, I think you're right on. I mean, I think you're right on with that. Like that's that sort of strikes me about the song too is that it's like it's just so, like it's so direct and it's not sort of shying away from. That it's it's sad, you know. Like the the instrumentals sort of suggest that it's like going to be like a nice, lighthearted thing, and then she starts singing, and you're like, oh, no, this is actually like, you know, this is like serious. So I I just find that like that interesting, too. Like that sort of the, you know, the juxtaposition of like the instrumentals and the arrangement versus like what she's talking about and like how direct she's being, you know. Also, one thing that uh, I find interesting is or as I was reading about her, her personal connection with people, apparently she was like someone who was really humble and really in touch with human, um, human problems, like common problems from uh, society and, and people's necessities. And every freaking song she has, you, there's a part that you're going to sing, like you're going to sing mm. it. And, and, and it's like, she was always bringing people to these simple things. These songs don't show up her vocal ability, like bitty bitty bam what what a, it's an right. easy singable thing. Then you hear her other songs. Well the disco medley um like show showcases her abilities and then some of her English songs, but before that everything was like pretty chill, you know? Yeah, it was. It's actually interesting though, because when I was when I was like listening to her and um You know, watching particularly the the 1995 live concert where she does where she ends with Coma La Flor, mm -hmm. I was really I was really struck by. You're, I mean, you're right. Like the the melodies are super catchy and super singable, and there's nothing too crazy about them. But, and I'm not a singer, so feel free to correct me on this. But something I find interesting about that concert in particular, the 1995 one, is that like, I was really struck by like just how good like a singer she is like she's not singing crazy hard stuff a lot of the time but like her tone is amazing her control is amazing you know like just just from a performance perspective like I was really struck by that concert in particular and I don't know if you feel the same way as a singer or, if, or you know like what like give me give me give me the singer to singer take on selena's voice <laughs> no no for first her her tuning just perfect every note mm. was like killer i was like damn i don't i don't know if at that time there was like some autotune i don't think so <laughs> I, i don't know i have no idea i don't want to say any lies but damn this woman can't sing and not just that the way she's just like smiling and flowing on that stage of course with those yeah. like big high heels i was seeing the, oh the 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 video where she comes into the concert in this big like carriage with a yeah. horse and she's just like what she's like a queen and then she there's a moment there's a moment and she's dancing and she makes a like um, a twirl or something she just like it's she spins and one of her earrings like flies away she you have to really look at that video like she takes her other earring with so like so much elegance and she throws it into the floor oh my just God. it's a, <laughs> and, and just keeps doing her thing Wow, the connection between the musicians. I don't know. It was it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah, no, that's the other thing about that that live performance too, is like her command of the stage is like it's not just that she's a great singer, it's that like you can like she she really, really became like a great performer as well. And I think that sort of adds to like what you were saying earlier about how she can connect with like so many different people, you know? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It looks like she was she was doing these things like what a baby. Her com like yeah, the comfort yeah. you see is like she's like what twenty three on that video or twenty yeah, five. Like and it's like twenty four, twenty five, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I actually was seeing it um, and I was like, I have to do this outfit for Halloween this year. Like, <laughs> man, like, it's incredible. Um, no, it's just fantastic. They are also the, the arrangements. Yeah. You know, that little um, melody, even the keyboard is super catchy. Right, uh, right, right. It's just amazing. Yeah. Well, speaking of attempts at catchy melodies, at least for for this podcast, you and I co-wrote a song <laughs> attempting to attempting to emulate the style of, of of selena and um i'm just sort of curious like i mean i i can there's definitely a few things that i like learned from just like from making this little attempt to like sort of emulate her style but i'm sort of you know and i'm and i'm i'm the inexperienced one here i'll, I'll own up to it I'll, I'll own up to it on the podcast i my spanish is bad i mostly play like jazz and other genres but you know but you know i tried so it's uh man i think i you're authentic mexican american <laughs> like you graduated <laughs> after doing this <laughs> but i'm sort of curious and maybe maybe you can sort of speak to like your your songwriting process in general in addition to like this little demo that we threw together but you know for me it's like i definitely learned a lot like trying to i mean first like trying to write lyrics that make sense in spanish and like that work and where there's like a narrative and beyond that like sort of you know there's a lot of easy things like in the musical arrangements of selena's music that you can pick up on like the you know the polka beat sort of like the boom chick boom chick and the drums and yeah. like there's always like there's i mean it's the 80s early 90s so there's always going to be like a, some really kind of like borderline cheesy like dreamy like <laughs> keyboard patch in the back yeah 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 beauty and the beast kind of yeah so that was i mean that was fun that was fun for me to like pick out those little musical things but i'm sort of curious like if if selena's music sort of if you've ever tried to like emulate her or like how it affects your songwriting process if at all or like you know like sort of just what your process is i think i mean if you ask me what i the similarities i find like between our music I think it would be the, sim the simplicity. Um, I'm someone who tries to keep things really, really easy. When it comes to the melodies, I struggle a lot with the lyrics because I, sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to be interesting and stuff. But the, the, mm. t the more time passes, the more I notice people like easy lyrics you know like i am sad i love you i miss you bye bye that's it that's what they love they they don't have time to go through like the mountains of like uh whatever make me remember or cough you know it, it well there's people like that i love that isn't that but, um, isn't, don't you have a lyric that's something like wait what i just i just listened to one of your songs it was <laughs> What's the line? The the orange suns. I mean, it's it's a song in Spanish, so I'm. Yes. The, it's like the orange sunset that I find you in. Yes. Like What what song is that again? I, it's help called me It's called Nuestra Casualidad. It says, okay. um, "I look for the horizon to remember the the love stories that's that are still here and the ones that are gone." Like it's I mean, just you know what I. <laughs> I I think that's pretty poetic. I'm on board with that, you know? Yeah, but you know, there's people that like more simple. Like the one, mm. look, I love the process to tell um, the the audience like how we work this song. I love checking songs that people bring. Mm. I, I, I love, I don't know why. It's like it act, active, uh, activates another part of my brain, like the song doctor kind of a thing. It's like a sur <laughs> surgery kind of thing. So, so Luke did 
it brings me this kind of like Selena type of song and I listen to it I'm like it's it's a Tejano song it's it's perfect even with the certain like grammar things it sounds I mean when I heard her speak on the concert I was like oh she she clearly doesn't know specific thing, words that can make her sound more like fluent and mm. that's how the songs sound to me at the beginning I was like but this is perfect that's like something she would do you know yeah there you go I've I've emulated Selena in in being bad at Spanish that, that's no no what a funny <laughs> no <I'm, laughs> um uh yeah no. <laughs> in the simplicity of her melodies you you guys will, will uh, when listening to the song how simple the the melodies that he did the rhythm you know um and the topic and the topic of like let's reach the sky together in mm -hmm. love you know i i love that i think it's perfect well and i can i can relate to what you're saying earlier too about sort of like when you when you co-write with somebody it sort of it does sort of make you tap into things that you otherwise wouldn't have have tapped into like the only the couple of times or like I've co-written and like somebody has sent me back a draft of like something I said them or whatever it's like as soon as you hear it like coming from an outside source like you can sort of look at it more objectively you know and like when it's your song and it's all like your thing I feel like it's sort of harder to to you know to look at it objectively and to and to sort of know what the next step is and like what you need to do to finish it you know what I mean yeah correct the the that, that's a, a big problem all of us has have as writer writers and and a lot of it i think it's uh, it's just practice and and having a, a a toolbox of songwriting like strategies to get out of the dark hole of like what the hell do i do here or yeah. it just needs some some days to um <laughs> like wine what's the word for like you need wine to get old and you know and then you come back to it and try it and it's like oh it stays better now you know oh yeah 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 you gotta yeah master it i don't know what the word is yeah mature, you, gotta, yeah, you have to let it mature and age right. you know? so you can start with a crappy song at the beginning and then it goes like um gets california made <laughs> <laughs> stamp 1990 no not 800 no <laughs> old wine yeah right right well i mean you know here we are sort of with uh you know looking at selena's career we have um over 20 years now you know like it was just her it would have been her 50th birthday over 20 years now of sort of like to to be able to like look at her career like sort of in retrospect so i'm wondering like for you what is what's like the is if there's like a one main thing like what's sort of like the biggest takeaway like now in 2021 that you can that you can get from Selena's career and like what's sort of like the the one or two things that sort of like shine above everything else when you think of like Selena what is it for you that like you think should be remembered I think uh, the importance of diversifying as an artist mm. Mm. Um, just not doing music but being involved in everything because I bet I bet your box that she was like oh I like these oh I don't like these why don't we try this you know like being out outspoken about things mm. she also was like a fashion designer or her own brand of like uh clothing and stuff um she was also communicating with fans so she was doing so many things right. that i think it's a great example for how the business works today at least for indie artists yeah no i mean it's only been i mean you can attest to this i'm sure far better than i can but it's it's more and more like you gotta have a side hustle for your side hustle it's like you gotta I, yeah you know, it's like you got to worry about streaming and you got to worry about booking yourself shows and like, 
it's sort of yeah it's definitely i feel like there is more more of a sort of like a diy atmosphere surrounding like music making today you know correct but you know what the one thing that i would love after this to know more is how she was connecting with fans you know how was this mm. i mean i bet it was a natural thing but i find these being the hardest the hardest thing to do for for artists i find this really hard to, to i don't know how to do this sometimes like on in social media and i'm like should i make a video about a recipe or teach people <laughs> how to put cream on their face or like a beauty routine <laughs> how the hell do i do this in an authentic way you know yeah. like, how and there's no way to learn these i feel you just have to be you yeah I, no i think you're right and it goes back to like what we were saying at the beginning like she's she was always you got the impression that that selena was always just like being herself and and there wasn't uh there was no there was no um no uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know like no like there, she wasn't pretending any anything or at least that's a sense you get from her no i think you're yeah. right on i mean what else what else can you do when there's so many musicians out there, but just then just be yourself and do what comes naturally to you, I guess. Especially if everybody's being themselves. <laughs> so, so yeah. How do you be yourself but like in a cooler way? You know, it's so much pressure, <laughs> man. Like I just want to make art and, and, and pray to get on a playlist. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, pay. No, no, don't pay for playlists. That's a bad thing. Okay, guys? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Uh, yeah no and I mean for me like with in terms of Selena's legacy like uh, I sort of said this when we were talking about the live recording but the thing that I sort of get from her is like on a technical level um, the the songwriting is great like you're saying like it's simple it's catchy like you know so that's a credit to that's a credit to her brother and uh, Pete Estudio I think was his co-writer yeah yeah so that yeah, like the, from a songwriting perspective, I definitely think there's still a lot to be gained. And also just like her as a singer and like her phrasing and her like interpretation of those songs. Like I definitely still think, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, also with the benefit of time, like you can sort of look back at some of those early recordings and be like, you know, the production is like a little bit cringy. Yeah. Time, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's but, the, the 90s, the 90s kind yes. of approach new sense yeah <laughs> since for days uh but no but uh, but her like whenever i yeah whenever i listen to her music like if i can get past that like it's her as a singer and her as an interpreter and like a storyteller like that's i think you know imagine that's, that's where it kind of where it's at for me yeah imagine if she was alive and doing like selena royal albert hall um, oh yeah bbc uh, orchestra come on our floor and the strings come in you know <laughs> oh her songs are so timeless you know someone needs to make that happen oh absolutely it would be we amazing orchestra come la floor for orchestra exactly <laughs> arrange it yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> that that would be that would be amazing but also imagine people who grew up in the states with like mexican like heritage speaking mostly english and she comes in with her spanish and sings these songs and and gives people confidence and they yeah. feel proud of their heritage that's 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 inspired i think that's what got mm. people to it's like oh i can be this person who has two cultures and be proud and be accepted yeah. and loved that's and and that doesn't i, I don't know if I think for a second about an artist who's doing that right now, 
What do you, who do you think, or who would you think is doing uh, these? That's a, wow, that's a good question. You know, I mean, I, so my, I mean, I listen to like a lot of, like a lot of hip hop and, and things like that. So I guess for me, like when you sort of say, who's an artist who you is like kind of riding that line of, of like that dual identity. Strangely enough, one of the first people that comes to mind is like Kendrick Lamar and uh -huh. his, sort of his his take on like what it means to be African-American in, you know? Yes. Like that's, so I think, but I think that sort of points to the fact that what you're talking about is like, you know, every, your struggles are going to be different depending your, on your identity and like where you're from and like so many other, so many factors, but, but that, but like that process and like the actual struggle itself of trying to find yourself and like accept your identity. I think that is a process that like everybody has to go through. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Now that I'm thinking, yeah, there's a bunch of artists like Beyonce, like yeah, man, like when I saw her on, on YouTube, the Coachella like concert, I was like, damn, this woman is like really, really empowering boys and girls to feel super proud of their race, you know? And that's like, so yeah, yeah there, there's people, but not, not many, um, or maybe yes, and I haven't listened to all of them, but there is absolutely right. So I, I apologize for saying that there are not many. There are. No, no, you're, <laughs> no you're, it's not okay. No, it's, uh, <laughs> well, um, Alejandra, thank you for spending this past however much time it was with me. Oh, really? It's <laughs> so fast. Sort of, I, yeah, no, just mulling over the, the issues, authenticity, <laughs> identity gender no seriously though I, i i appreciate you you coming on this podcast and i and i want to give you um an opportunity if you would like if you choose to accept it um where if you wanted to say give yourself a shout out like where people can find you if you have anything people should be looking out for coming up anything like that if you want to if you want to go ahead and plug yourself yes thank you no well thank you everybody for, well thank you for the invitation thank you for listening so um well i as you guys know i do latin pop singer songwriter but uh you can find me on social media as ale jimenez music a-l-e-j-i-m-e-n-e-z music and ale jimenez on spotify And I have a couple, I have a song actually coming up soon. I think it's going to be in, in May. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, it's going to be in a little little movie. So I want to, I plan to release it. It's very simple, you know, it's like connect back because I haven't put music since like last year. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do something different. Um, I was really reluctant to do like digital, uh, sorry, electronic kind of like vibes my, my music is really or, re organic i like mm. musicians real brass yeah, and stuff like acoustic yeah uh-huh and now i'm like oh maybe i can just diversify you know i mean so it, it's, yeah it's kind of scary <laughs> so I, and i'm gonna do some songs in english actually I have, i'm gonna i'm gonna do versions of my songs uh in english it's gonna be a double album i know i'm gonna be putting a double album so yeah there's the inspiration well one more time alejandra thank you so much Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for Talking the Coda. This is Luke Martin signing off. Para siempre, corazón.